Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Good morning and welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibble, and today we're speaking with Bill Gladstone, author, literary agent, and founder of Waterside Productions, Inc. Bill sold the first for dummies book, if you may remember, DOS for Dummies, which went on to sell over 200 million copies. He represents authors such as Eckhart Tolle, Marie Kondo of The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, Neil Donald Walsh, and that's just to name a few. He's also authored and co-authored several books, such as bestsellers The Twelve and The Power of Twelve, co-authored with Jack Canfield of The Golden Motorcycle Gang, as well as the producer of the film Tapping the Source and co-author of the matching book, Tapping the Source. Bill, is there anything you can't do? <laughs> oh, I can't walk on water, but in publishing, I can do just about everything. I, I do want to just clarify we sold over 200 million copies of the series of Four Dummies books, not just oh, Dots okay. for Dummies. Dots for Dummies did sell over 5 million copies, and Windows for Dummies sold over 14 million. That's but amazing. We didn't have a single. I'm not actually aware of any single book that has sold over 200 million copies, so they've distributed, I think, that many copies of the Bible, but that's probably the only <laughs> book. <laughs> I'm a a stickler for numbers and precision. I think that's one of the things many literary agents miss. I come to the world of literary agenting a little differently than than many in that I was a mathematical whiz as a kid, and I did grow up in a publishing family, so I, I had the book side developed as well. But so many people in publishing really are kind of, I don't know whether you call it left or right brain, but they're much more on the the word side and not the number side. I'm I'm very balanced. I have a great love of numbers, and I think that's one of the reasons we've been very successful. Yes, absolutely. There's been a lot of chat lately about what actually constitutes a bestseller. So in your expert opinion, what would you say makes a book a definite bestseller? Well, there was just a very funny, and not funny, tragic funny, article about I put my foot down some reporter in the Boston area was yes. able to sell three copies of a picture <laughs> of his foot on Amazon and that made it an Amazon bestseller. And he was pointing out that, you know, things have gotten so absurd. You know, obviously Amazon records bestsellers by the minute and, you know, it is possible in a certain category if you sell two or three books in that minute, you're number one. So it means nothing. <laughs> you know. Now in terms of my world you know, we live in the world of, you know, very successful major authors. And, you know, for me personally, a bestseller is when we sell a million or more copies. And that has nothing to do with, you know, what mm-hmm. list it's on or not. That is a true, true bestseller. And, you know, frankly, there's there's fewer than 10 books a year published 
in the world that sell a million or more copies. We've been very fortunate. We've had about 20 books over the 30 years of our agency that have sold over a million copies, and that's very rare. Um, to get on the New York Times bestseller list, you can usually do it with, you know, if you sell 10,000 copies in a week, that usually will put you towards the top of the New York Times bestseller list. The average uh, number one bestseller is usually less than 40,000 copies. Now, there's okay. obviously exceptions when, you know, Harry Potter comes out, you know, in a single week they might sell two or 300,000 copies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of the O'Reilly books sell 70 or 80, some of the Patterson, Grisham in that first week. But after the first week or two, even those titles are happy with twenty to 30,000 books in a week to be on the top of the bestseller list. We've had the Marie Kondo book for, uh, you know, the last year and a half be either number one or in the top three of the hardcover nonfiction list, and we've never had a week where it exceeded 50,000 copies. So, and most of the weeks it's, you know, closer to 35 to 40,000 copies. So that that is not as much as people think. Um, but, of course, you know, add 50 or 40,000 times 50-plus uh, weeks, and, you know, we're well over 2 million copies already on that book. So we have a very high uh, bar for our bestsellers. We're, we're, we're not as interested in the quote, oh, I was a New York Times bestseller. We've had books hit the New York Times bestseller list that have only sold, you know, seven or 8,000 copies, and we're pleased. But, you know, is that a true bestseller? Yeah, you can brag and say you're a bestseller, but, you know, for us, that's not that significant. Mm-hmm. So when somebody, you know, when you typically ask an author that you're going to offer them representation, what questions should they be prepared to answer when you approach them? Well, we're we're very different than most agencies. Um, we actually don't seek any clients. We don't. Uh, clients come to us through our existing clients, and usually we have to turn them away because the publishing industry has gotten to the point where only famous people are getting published. You have to have what they call a large platform. And a large platform, I mean, you can be a, a YouTube star, you can you know, be an unconventional uh, celebrity, but you need to have at least 150 to 200,000 followers on social media um, or something equivalent or more, your own radio show, your own TV show, uh, you know, just have been awarded, you know, the Nobel Prize or something, <laughs> but you need, you, you know, at least a MacArthur Fellowship. Uh, you know, you need something really significant to get the attention of the big publishers. So unless you have that, no matter how wonderful your story, it's not likely that we or any major literary agency is going to be running after you. There's always exceptions, and, um, you know, we've taken on many, many authors who really had no chance. I mean, we... we we met them, we liked them, we liked what they were doing, we felt that their book would make a positive contribution, whether it sold a thousand copies or a million copies. And, you know, in some cases, we've been very, very pleased. I, uh, you know, even though I didn't represent the book at the time, Eckhart Tolle really was an example of someone. He got no advance for his first book. It was a 3,000 copy publication, and then one thing led to another, and great things happened. So, we as an agency are aware of situations like that, and I've sold many books for no advance and been very pleased with the outcome. Um, but that's not typical. And when I'm selling those books, I'm not selling them to the big New York houses. I'm selling them to some of the smaller independent houses. And because of my own commitment to wanting to see good books published, we created our own publishing 
partnership with Amazon for Kindle editions and print-on-demand. And so if I have a book that I know I can't sell to a big New York house, but I think it has potential, I'll publish it through our own program. And it's not that much more advanced than self-publishing in that we don't mm-hmm. have traditional bookstore distribution, but the book is at least you know properly edited and there is some marketing. And some of those books have sold you know in the single-digit thousands of copies. We, we had one just recently we did called Heart Intelligence from the founder of HeartMath that sold over 1,500 copies in the first week. So you know that's a viable uh, program. They actually did have the option of going with a major publisher but wanted to get the book out quickly. And we may still mm-hmm. go to a major publisher for them. But, you know, publishing is changing and there's lots of options. But in terms of getting a big-time agent, very, very difficult. I mean, it helps if you're famous. If you're not famous, to be at least associated with someone who's famous because it's a very difficult and competitive world for the traditional publishing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for aspiring authors to remember, I mean, y- you don't have to make sure that your your first book is, you know, with a major agency. There's mm-hmm. there's lots of different avenues and, and things available for them. What questions should authors really have for you um, or any agent that offers them representation? Well, number one, what's your track record? I mean, if you're working with someone and it's the first book they've ever agented, <laughs> you know, I'd be a little nervous. As someone who, you know, has a track record of, you know, as we do, of thousands of books that have been successfully published, hundreds of millions of dollars. Actually, I added it up. On the retail level, just North American sales, our books have generated over $3 billion in sales. So you want to be with someone who's, you know, proven they can make it work. Um, But you also want to be with someone who is going to be nice and kind to you. Um, You need to be, you know connecting on on more than just the money level if someone is is you know only interested in you because you know you happen to be famous and they think they can make some money with you um you know probe a little further um you know what why are they in business what is it that they really care about and is it compatible with what you really care about but you know for most of the people listening you're probably not in a position to be choosy um, so, you know, what the questions you should just be asking is, you know, are they a, a reputable agency? What are, how many books have they sold in the last year? And, mm-hmm. you know, in most cases, if a, a, a bona fide agent shows interest in your project, just say thank you, thank you, thank you, and go forward because it's very hard <laughs> to get an agent also. It is, absolutely. Well, everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal E. Quibble, and today we're speaking with Bill Gladstone, author, literary agent, and founder of Waterside Productions, Inc. When we return, we'll discuss tips for pitching to agents, what makes you stand out to publishers, and how to build your career as an author. Tweet with us at Writer Crystal. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and we're continuing our conversation today with Bill Gladstone of Waterside Productions. Bill, when you're reviewing a query or proposal, what lets you know that this is something you want to publish? What makes you want to get on the phone and, and really offer representation to someone? Well, unfortunately, it has more to do with marketing than the content, because 
no matter how wonderful it may be, if the person doesn't have a large platform, I know I'm not going to be able to sell it, so I'm not likely to get excited. What does get me excited is the combination of someone who does have a significant platform or is just at the point where their platform is starting to take off. They have you know, 100,000 followers on Facebook or something, and they're about to be offered you know, a full-time radio or TV show or something equivalent, and they have an idea that I like, and they know how to write, and they're committed to doing whatever it takes to you know, become a good writer and to promote the book once published. Um, I usually make a decision on things that come to me within 10 minutes. You know, I, I can tell after three to four pages of a proposal mm-hmm. whether I'm going to be interested or not. And if I'm not, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not publishable. And in that case, I may pass it to a junior agent or I may just suggest, you know, I, I think you're just not ready for a traditional publishing deal, but, you know, our own imprint with Amazon might be good for you. Great. So let's say, you know, you get this fantastic proposal and the author's book comes out and it doesn't sell as well as expected. Um, What can they expect in terms of securing a second book contract? Or does it mean that they've kind of, you know, it's dead in the water and and they may not be taken on again? Well, it depends. Every situation is unique, but it obviously is not good if your first book (laughs) swaps. If you have a lot of promise and you've not done a book yet, that's an easier sell for me or any agent than mm-hmm. someone who has done a first book and it only sold a couple of thousand copies. That's a very, very difficult. Everyone in publishing has access to BookScan, which is the Nielsen ratings company's yes. tracking of book sales. And if you're, you know, so they know. And if your first book or your self-published book was a flop, it just makes it more difficult. Not impossible, but definitely is not good. One of the things we're different from most agents, most agents just, you know, like, oh, I can get a fifty or $100,000 advance on the first book. That's great. Well, we're less interested in that. In some cases, I'll say, well, unless you really need the money, I think we're better off. Let's just go with a $30,000 advance and have the book earn out, and then they'll want to do a second book. Because if you take the 100000 and the book only sells 5,000 copies, you're, you're kind of dead. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, they've lost money. Everybody has a bad, you know, feeling about it. And, the, you know, there's just nothing you can do. So, I mean, that's not going to work for everyone. And, and, you know, obviously we're here to represent the client. And, you know, if the client is in a position where the 100000 makes a big difference in their life over the thirty, obviously we will push for the hundred and hope for the best. But we're very different. Uh, most agents think that the bigger the advance, the better they've done, and the more they've justified their existence. We don't look at it that way. We look at it over the length of the career of the writer, and we really try, I guess, to do more managing than just agenting. We really try to sit down with someone and explore, okay, this is your first book. It's not necessarily your best book. It's not necessarily the most marketable book you're ever going to do. What are you going to do over the next several years? How do we strategize and, you know, take it much more slowly? That's great. You know, I think there's so much emphasis on getting a six-figure book deal and and people being really, you know, a lot of authors wanting to have these big book deals, but with that comes the pressure to sell. And then, as you've said, if it doesn't end up selling well, it can kind of hurt your career in the future with securing another book contract. Yeah, I mean, we have, we have uh, some authors who really it took them five or six books before they got six figures. And then, of course, if when that six-figure book comes out, it does sell well, then, yeah, I'm much 
happier going from six figures to seven than I am going, you know, to immediate six figures. Um, You know, we look at it differently than most agencies. We're not in a rush. We are living in a time when, you know, for some people, you know, now is the only moment. And if they don't cash in right now, they're never going to cash in. And, you know, I respect that in some cases, you know, just going for the big advance is the right strategy. But in general, for the types of books and the types of people we represent, that's not the best advice. So what tips would you offer for authors that are about to pitch to agents? What should they do and what should they definitely not do? Well, you should get a copy of, I think it's Jeff Herman's book or Literary Marketplace. You should do a little research on the agencies and you know who you're approaching and what kinds of books they've done, and be sure that it's a fit. All agents are very, very busy. Um, you know, the top agents are not looking for clients. They really aren't. Um, so you really need to do your research. I mean, the, the one thing that, you know, ironically, and it, this might not be true for other agents, but that people sometimes do with me that turns me off is they tell me how they're going to make me a millionaire. Well, I'm already a millionaire, and I don't need <laughs> you to make me a millionaire. And, you know, that's not really what's going to attract me anyway. You know, I, I'm much more impressed by, you know, uh, uh, my life's purpose is this. I think I can do that. I, I, you know, recently an um, uh, associate came to me who has a wonderful company representing young geniuses. I mean, these are all kids who, as teenagers, were identified either by winning the Google Award or other major international awards as being really brilliant young people. I'm excited to represent these people. Um, you know, they are the future. That, you know, having done something like that, and in most cases, these people, you know, did their inventions really to help other people. But, you know, people helping other people, and I'm able to help those people, makes me feel good and is much more rewarding to me and a better way of, of you know, getting me on board than telling me, oh, you're so lucky to represent me because my book's going to sell a million copies and you're going to get rich, you know. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. my situation, which is not the same as with all agents. You know, certainly there's agents who are going to be motivated, oh, my gosh, yeah, if I can get six or seven figures for this author, you know, I definitely want to represent them. And you really want to build a relationship with an agent that's long-term. I mean, you're really working on a long-term relationship together because it's not just about one book. It's about several books. You know, you want to build a career with them and have this really great relationship. So sometimes, you know, even though the money factors in, it's it's more important. Well, it's got to be fun and it's got to be mutually respectful. Uh, I mean, life is short. The whole reason to be an agent rather than just work for a publisher is if you're doing well, you can absolutely guarantee that you're only going to work with people you want to work with. And that's a great blessing. Um, When you work in a big publishing company, uh, I guess I I never stayed with the big companies. I I was editor-in-chief at one point for a small publisher and then senior editor for Harcourt, but I didn't stay either long enough where – I was at a position where money didn't matter because to corporations money does matter. So even though I was fairly selective uh, in in terms of only choosing to work on projects that I wanted to, I wasn't completely free. Um, So for me, you know, that is a big plus. And I think as an author, you know, there's a lot of hardship in being an author and you're not likely to make a lot of money. So, you know, find someone not only who can deliver the results you want, but also is pleasant to be with and and who you can be proud to have as a as a business advisor. I do know of authors who 
have worked with some agents that have done very well for them, but they actually live in fear and trembling when the agent calls. They're intimidated, <laughs> and I know that they're not actually enjoying the process, so they are enjoying the results. And, you know, for certain cases, maybe that's that's okay. Um, maybe they have the kind of personality they just need such a, a strong kind of personality to, to get the results they need. But, um, you know, for me, it's really the relationship, and it, you're absolutely right. We look at it. We're not interested in an author who, you know, says up front, well, I have one book, and this is the book, and I want to get a million dollars, and I don't care what happens after. That, you know, I mean, if it were a really famous person, I'm, you know, I probably would, you know, if they really had the potential to get a million-dollar advance it would have to be, you know, someone very, very famous to get that kind of advance. I'd probably take it on, but I'd probably end up regretting it because that's not that's not the profile mm-hmm. that really works for us. So when it comes to platform, you know, speaking of celebrity and and that kind of thing, many aspiring writers sort of get discouraged because they read that they need a significant platform before pitching and. I'm curious, what kind of platform do you look for in terms of number, or are you more interested in the engagement of the author's audience? Engagement with the audience is more important to me personally. The whole thing of platform, I think, is unfortunate. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's it's the flavor of the last decade. It's always been important to some degree, but, you know, when I started in publishing, it was more, well, they're the head professor at Harvard University and this area and they're the world expert and you know no we didn't worry how many followers they had on <laughs> Facebook we knew we were yes. getting something special and that's still more important for me and actually more important for me are endorsements everything I do is really networking um, mm-hmm. you know I have a famous client and they call me up and say Bill I have a friend and he's not famous but he's gonna be because of this that and the other and I'd really like you to look at his proposal. That means a lot to me. Now, I don't necessarily have the magic wand that can take that and sell it, but, you know, the fact that it came that way probably indicates that there's other people in that authors, that new authors network, who are also very well established. And if you have well-established people backing you, even if your platform is not fully developed, if there's belief by enough substantial people that you're going to be very famous relatively soon, I'll take a chance on it, and I think some of our bigger publishers. I mean, we have had some successes with people who had very small platforms. So it's not absolutely essential, but at the same time, it's so much easier. And, um, you know, you're not going to really have much choice of of agents or publishers if you don't have an established platform. And. And I think, too, something that I'm curious about is that there's a lot of people out there buying followers, buying, you know, likes on Facebook. And are you able, as as someone in the industry, to go in and say, okay, well, it says they have 200,000 followers, but there's only 10, 10 people engaging in the page total. So is it obvious to you that they've they've purchased followers in this? Well, in this I, I have to say, because I leave that part of it to other people in my company. I mean, I'm really Mm -hmm. not looking at the social media. I happen to be a Luddite to some extent in that I do have people who do social media for me. And even though I'm an author and I should be doing social media, I'm so busy with real interaction with real people who I actually know and see that I've never really felt that I needed to 
participate personally. Because I don't participate personally, I don't really pay any attention. It's just numbers to me. I look at the numbers, and I let the publisher do the next level of engagement. I wasn't even that aware that you could just buy fans. I kind of know that you can. You can buy anything, frankly. You can buy mm-hmm. your, your name on the New York Times bestseller list. You can talk about that if you want to. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, clearly don't think that buying names has any value whatsoever. No. Um, no, you, you have to have substance. And, you know, you know I'd much rather see 10,000 engaged people than 100,000 that is just a number. Absolutely. Bill, what's the best advice you've ever received about writing? Don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. I mean, write because you love it. And, mm. um, you know, hope for the best, but don't count on on financial success. The number of people writing books at any one time just in the United States is probably 5 million people. Of those 5 million people, fewer than 50 will make a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You have a better chance of winning the lottery to make a million dollars. So, you know, it's not something to do for money. That said, there's all kinds of situations. You have a business. You can promote your business by writing a book about what you do. It doesn't matter whether the book makes money. Or you just happen to love writing, and you're in a position where you can afford to write and it gives you creative release, and without any anticipation, you become a best-selling author. It happens. Um, you know, it happens less and less frequently, but it still happens. I don't mm-hmm. think that there is, you know, one formula for everyone. Um, I enjoy writing. I've always enjoyed writing. I think to be a great writer, you need to be a great reader. Um, there are exceptions, of course, but reading and writing are, you know, part of being human. And I think that you need to look at the higher purpose of why you write. And, you know, there's all these gimmicks out there and all this advice you can get about how so-and-so made money and how so-and-so turned their book into a bestseller. 99% of it, take with a grain of salt. Um, There's always instances of things that have worked, but whether it will work for you or not, and something that worked Mm -hmm. even two years ago, most likely is not going to work next year. It's just we're living in a very, very dynamic time where you know promotion and marketing is changing daily and no one really has a formula that's a sure thing absolutely well thank you so much for being here today bill we just barely touched the tip of the iceberg so i would love to have you back and uh, definitely do a follow-up interview thank you well i'll be delighted to do it i do believe that you know writing is kind of sacred it's one of the few things we can do that in most cases, does no harm, and in many cases, does a lot of good. So I encourage everyone out there, keep writing. Not necessarily going to lead to the bestseller list or fame and fortune, but hopefully will lead to a better life for yourself and those who eventually read your book. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bill. Bill Gladstone can be found online at watersideproductions.com. Want to win free books every week and receive the latest news from Literary Speaking? Visit me online at crystalliequible.com and sign up for my newsletter. As an active subscriber, you'll be automatically entered to win free books every week and get the latest updates on my latest classes and workshops as well. Join us next week as we speak with Joanna Rakoff, author of A Fortunate Age and My Salinger Year. I'm your host, Crystal Lee. Keep writing and thank you for listening. 
Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.